that's the tallest building in town. The library, because it has the most stores. We didn't own a car, so we would go to the library with a shopping cart and fill um, the shopping cart with our books. I was probably about six or seven, and my mom took me to our local library for a story time. I went with my dad every Saturday morning. I remember coming here like since we moved here when I was five, and every summer we do the summer reading program. As the years have gone by, you begin to realize how much you know interesting stuff the library has to offer besides books. When I was growing up, my aunt would always take me to the library. I was in third grade, and then I loved the library, the Carnegie Library. I went to the story times that were at the library. The librarian was my dad. Hey, Steve. Hey, Shauna. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How about you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm excited to talk about music today. Me too. I want to ask you a question. Okay. You're a musician, aren't you? Yes. And uh, what do you play? I play mostly guitar, some banjo, some piano. And I have also played music in the past. Yeah. But never on the stage. Well, that's not true. I played flute for many years and then piccolo, and I thought I was going to be a flute studies major in college. So that's my background. You've also you've also sang um, Journey songs (laughs) at karaoke. karaoke. I don't know if that counts. I don't think that counts. I wanted to talk about music in libraries because it is a, a big part of our world. Not every library is lucky enough to have some of the things that we are going to share with our audience today, but it has been around for a while. Yeah. Historically, libraries weren't a place you would think of when it comes to music sharing or creation, you know, but over time that's significantly changed. Um, when you mentioned that, I thought of uh, the library where I used to work um, was founded by the local women's club, which a lot of the rural libraries in Wisconsin were founded by women's clubs and because they didn't have libraries and they wanted a cultural center in these small, you know, mostly farming based communities. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that they did, like we, we had a, our hundredth anniversary when I was there Aww. and there was this old, this poem that one of these ladies had written, you know, in like 1911 about how they, how they were fundraising for the library. But one of the things that they did, you know, they, they would write poems, they would perform plays and stuff then to raise money to build this library. They didn't like continue that on in, in like providing, I guess it would be records at the time or whatever, like 78. So they, they, they didn't check those out. But like when I was a kid in libraries, we had, there were records and tapes and stuff and like books on tape. And, the, and it's interesting because we've become a place where people can check out all kinds of things, not just CDs, but even instruments. I I did want to highlight this really fun aspect of libraries. If people don't know, like how much outreach we do to bring live music to our spaces, and it's it's a pretty involved process, but it's it's worth it because you know, like you said, sometimes towns and libraries were the community space for artists to, to we can accommodate them. Yeah. Um, there might not be any music venues in some smaller towns. And so people do go to the library for that. And right. that's something I think some folks forget. Yeah. And I think initially when we were talking about this, when I, when I was a kid, the, the, during the summer reading program, they would bring in performers, um, you know, musicians and stuff. And I think that was the first time in my life that I had ever heard any or had ever seen anybody play a banjo Aww. or heard heard that, you know, or like a ukulele, like things that I guess are more common now. 
Right. Um, in fact, I think the Fond du Lac Library even has ukuleles you can check out. Exactly. If you um, <laughs> but uh, that was kind of like the summer reading program and uh, kids music performers was always really big. And it still is. There's people, that's what they do for a living. They travel around every summer, go to all these libraries and play. Right. That's a big deal for kids. But it's not just for kids. No. Anymore. Like that. That's another thing. Maybe like a, um, you might think, oh, you know, we've got CDs and we do this thing for kids in the summer, but we don't let rock music or we don't let we don't let hip hop into the library. You know, uh. like that's not that's not for libraries, but that is for libraries. Uh, pro, pro, hey. We got to keep it real for all the libraries out there. 100. I just want to spread love. We are going to help the world. Uh. Uh, what I learned in summer was how to be a librarian Notice the way you carry in resources for anybody More like humanitarian Service for every race, Arabian to African, European, Latino, Asian, Indian, American African, Aboriginals, Demographics, Agrarian We all gotta eat no matter vegan and vegetarian Or carnivores, we all need to consume The knowledge is seeking may be contained in every room So like Jason Statham, we get it transported For those who want it important Information is something that documents recorded And that's an, an interesting segue to our guest interviews we have this month, which are so amazing, not only because we get to highlight a couple of different genres, but they talk to us about words and what they mean to them and the role they play in creating their music, you know, from when they were a kid to to now and the impact that has made on their lives and how it's, you know, impacted others. More so with Rob and what he shared with us, but I talked to J.E. Sundy because we both enjoy his music a lot. Mm -hmm. Also, I could say they're both Wisconsinites. Yeah. Originally from Wisconsin. So, and Rob, his talk is incredible. He took it to the next level and was able to make an album in a library media lab, which is the central library at Madison Public Library. I used to work with Rob, so I was really excited that he had the time to talk with us. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was a, that was a really, it was cool to talk to Rob. And, uh, you know, like you said, he had a lot of really thoughtful things to say about libraries and the space that they get there you know it's a creative space you know like it's not they're not just checking out CDs and stuff like they actually have a music studio you know all the production software and the computers and everything and you know he, he goes through it on the in the interview but yeah it was yeah we don't want to give too much to away no, no, no spoilers <laughs> I mean it's that it's that age old thing with in library land we talk about lifelong learning mm. a lot and Rob's story is a really beautiful example of that and I think also in that context being able to have contact with people who can teach you, you know, right. it's not even just that it's true that you can just go in for lab hours, but you can go there and talk to someone and ask questions about how to do something and you don't have to spend money to take a course somewhere. Right. Which, yeah. That's, that is a big deal. Like having the human resources there. Exactly. Human resources. It's like a, it's HR. like a department. <laughs> Um, I wanted to just mention a couple other library-related um, music performance venues or spaces or programs. In Wisconsin. Yeah, in Wisconsin. There's actually a lot of really great ones happening. And the three biggest ones that I know of, Nick Dembski at Racine started years ago this program called Bonk, which is B-O-N-K exclamation point. It's a great name. And uh, he brings in performers, both spoken word and musicians. And some of them are from Wisconsin, other ones are Midwestern, some are national. Started as a library program, but it's kind of gone out into the community. So far, 
up in Green Bay, Brian Simons, who is the head of the Brown County Library and has started this Stacks and Steeples event, which is at, takes place at the library, but they have actually like a performance stage, like a theater. Stacks and Steeples is an original music series called Sundays, February through March, held in the new auditorium of the downtown Green Bay Library, and it's free. This is another amazing thing happening in Green Bay. Yeah, and then Milwaukee Public has Library Loud Days, where um, some of what they do is inviting bands to actually just come and play in the library. a community hub that we we strive to be like the the perfect library in my mind has always been a space that in you know 2018 and beyond includes spaces where there is quiet for those who need it and then there are places that you can be loud so if you're a library that's lucky enough to have that space it's golden what i think is important to mention people can tell us what they want to hear you know what are we missing yeah you know culturally speaking i think that we can always be more inclusive and diverse in what we share with the community we do our best but we can always do better yeah yeah definitely (laughs) uh should we get into the interviews now yeah let's listen okay cool My name is Rob Franklin. I also perform under the musician name Rob Dees. I do a couple of different things here at the library. I work as a library monitor by day, but by afternoon, I am a resident teaching artist for the Making Justice program. And you're a, a songwriter or a poet, or how do you how do you like to call yourself? I'm just a guy. Just a guy. I'm just a guy. I did more hip hop probably to, to 2010, 2011. And then I kind of started doing more jazz, spoken word stuff. Okay. I began playing with the band in Chicago and then just kind of have kind of teetered between both both genres since then. So Okay. Did you have, uh, did you write when you were a kid? I did write poetry when I was a kid. And I did write stories as a kid. I was kind of a weird kid, I guess. I, I was a kind of a loner kind of kid and, and chose to express myself through through words. I, I said a lot of things in words that I didn't really say, you know, in conversation. When did you first uh, discover that you could use the library to make music? That happened, oof, roughly around four years ago. Um, there was a resident artist here who was a visual artist, but we, we knew each other because of being around in the community, and he was like, I want to show you this place. And I'm like, huh? You know, and he's like, you have to come. You have to come now. And I'm like, Okay, you know. Finally, he got. We got there, and he was like, "See," and then, then the doors kind of opened up. It was kind of like the voices of heaven kind of <laughs> opened up. It was like, "Oh," kind of that kind of things. And in that process, I began to work with the volunteers here and learn everything from how to record myself, and then how to do video, and how to do my own Photoshop and Adobe works. Kind of a multi-tiered, multimedia things. I had recorded projects at various professional studios, commercial okay. studios. Sure. That's a very expensive process, and I kind of had gotten to the point, and really the reason is kind of really a godsend, because 
when Victor kind of pointed me out to the media lab, I had pretty much exhausted all my funding trying to record. So I wasn't really recording at that time. You want to talk a little bit about the recording process? I mean, did you like make all the beats yourself? Do you like record the vocals here? I mean, how did that how did that all work? Um, for me in that process, I had production from other producers around the country. Okay. And then I kind of re- learned how to record here. Like I said, I spent almost a year learning just the recording and Pro Tools process and what goes into it and, you know, how to how to mix and, and engineer stuff. So um, I'm very thankful to the Media Lab volunteers that actually were showing me Audrey Martinovich, uh, Sadie Robb. They kind of both showed me kind of everything. Well, not everything, but they showed me a lot of stuff like, okay, this is what you need if you're going to do it on your own. I am not teaching hip-hop recording classes right now. I did for a while in the media lab. I mean, it was kind of important to me to kind of turn around and, and give back to what kind of gave to me. And I, yeah. I, I figured that was a good opportunity to pay it forward. Um, I haven't as much lately because I'm doing more teaching in schools. And like I said, most of my afternoons and early evenings now are kind of concentrating on what either working in schools or working with after-school programs. Okay. So. Yeah, so I haven't been able to teach the, the recording, actual recording classes as much. Okay, so were you, were you able to work with kids, though, here at the library to teach them how to use the equipment yeah, and things? Yeah, yeah that's, one of the, that's one of the cool things about working with the Making Justice program is that we've been able to bring, like, you know, Dane County uh, Shelter Home Program, uh, NIP, the Neighborhood Intervention Program, a couple different, couple different uh, program, community programs, and bring the kids here and not only actually let them record, but actually kind of show them in the process of how it goes too. So, you know, for a kid that, that might not be a rapper that likes hip hop, then, you know, I'll kind of put him in the, in the engineer chair and try to show him through it. And it gives him a, them a chance to be involved as well. So you ran for the Dane County Board of Supervisors. At one point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what, was, what was that process like for you? Uh, that was a very draining experience. But but at the same time, it was it was something that I felt I felt very I felt it was a needed thing to do, you know, to be a, to be a younger voice and, and really kind of challenge the, the old thought, you know. So um, I did it. I did not win. Uh, but I mean, hey, hey, man, it was my first time out. Yeah. I put up, <clears throat> I think I put up close to thirty percent my first time out, which is nothing to to laugh at. So, running against an incumbent, I was like, okay. I mean, it, it was it was a huge uh, it was a huge mountain to climb, but at the same time, you know, like I said, um, we have to we are at the point now in this country, at least in my opinion, is if we don't start standing up and speaking up for ourselves, nobody's gonna speak up for us. And, and so, you know, that was that was that was the hope and, and the platform that I was running on was that, you know, it's time to stand up and say something. And, and that's why I did it. So, yeah, I'm not scared. <laughs> well, that you now I, I have other questions about your music, but um, that kind of brings up another question I had. Um, the Urban Library Council recently recognized Madison as a top innovator for the hip hop architecture project. Um, 
And the goal of that project was to include people from communities of color in the city planning process and things like that. Um, what's your perspective on how libraries are doing um, with being equitable and, and being open with, with people of color? I mean, I think, you know, I, one of the biggest... One of the biggest misconceptions that I think about libraries is, is like, you know, it's just for nerds. It's, you know, people that geek out on books and sit in the corner or whatever. Libraries are for everybody, all walks of life, you know. It's probably one of the most freaking revolutionary places in a, in a city. People from everywhere walk into a library, yeah. from, from homeless people to, to whatever, you know. It's like, but all people are welcome. And I think that's one of the missions that has never changed in the process of a library. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think even the, even in the process of it changing from when I was a kid from the shh librarian to now, you know, you can have a conversation in this area over here. You know, it's like, but but that just goes to the thought process of this is a place of learning and a place of growth. And it's not just limited to a certain person to grow. It's for everyone to grow and take advantage of. So... I definitely think the library has done a an excellent job of, of being accommodating in that process towards everyone. Okay. Did you did you use the library as a kid? Yes. I've always found it as a safe haven. Mm. You know, so it, it is is really funny as an adult now how it's kind of come full circle. Even in being a musician that does hip hop and and making it a point to really share with people in my community and people that I know that. You know, an institution of learning is not a bad place. You know, I think in our society, the way society is set up, it's almost it's almost kind of taboo to be knowledgeable about stuff. You know, and I and I and I that's one of the things that I really try to work hard at is to to change that thought process. You know, even to my folks to be like, "Yo, man, you know, coming to a library is not a bad thing." You know, it's, it's definitely a cool thing. It's whether you choose to take advantage of it. So, yeah. Madison Public won the 2016 National Medal of, for Museum and Library Service. And you got to go and uh, help receive the medal from Michelle Obama. What was that like? It was a really, it was a really cool experience. I mean, obviously I met history. Hmm. Um, and to be able to go to the White House, number one, you know, somewhere you see all the time, you know, when you're growing up watching TV or watching the State of the Union, whatever you, you know, you see it, but then to actually be in there and be like, damn, homie, I'm in the White House. Like, yeah. it was an awesome experience. And and I, I guess for me, even the kicker on top of that was for me being selected because of the service that I tried to offer to the community for the, the, the Institute of Museum and Library Services to recognize that being in Madison, Wisconsin, mm. to be of service to my community, doing hip hop in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. So that it, it, it was definitely a big honor. Um, in all honesty, Michelle Obama, first lady, she was she was everything that, that that you would see on TV and say, and you know. So yeah, it, it was quite the honor. Um, it's something I won't forget. It's great. What What do you think about the, the hip hop scene in Madison or in Wisconsin? Period. I don't want to sound jaded, yeah. but but at the same time, I feel like there's so much work for this scene to do. Not only on the end of the artist, but on the end of the city. If, if the city wants to, you know, for me, I, I treat hip hop as an art form, mm -hmm. and I think that that the city does not 
respected as an art form. And we have to bridge the gap to have an understanding that it is art. For for one to express themselves and to express their circumstances and their environment, that is artistic. And that is something that's relatable to all people from all walks of life. I mean, it's no different than, for example, Tupac Shakur. You know, it's like he might have come from dire circumstances, but eventually society as a whole had to respect his art. And that's why I think, you know, the evolution of, of the respect for him now has grown. Same thing with Madison's hip-hop scene. And I'm not saying Madison is comparable to, to Tupac, but <laughs> but I'm saying that, that, you know, I think the city, I think there's room for growth. And I think there's more that can be done. Also, on the artist end of it, I think that, that, that more artists have to start pushing the envelope a little bit more mm-hmm. with, 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 the, with the expression of talking about our, our environment and where we come from and our city and what goes on. And, and don't get it wrong, man. I'm not just saying that for hip-hop artists. I think a lot of artists in general are are not really... I, I, my challenge is for more artists to speak more of their, their circumstances here. Mm-hmm. There's not even a consistent venue for hip-hop right now, mm-hmm. you know, so it, that's a challenge. You know, it's like uh, I believe hip-hop has a voice that, that needs to be heard. And it's not just for the bitches and hoes, you know, it's like, it's to talk about and to have a platform. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot more work that needs to be done, but at the same time, I also look at where hip hop once was in this city and I think it's better than what it was, so. When you're working with kids in schools and things like that, I mean, are, do you see kids that are up and coming that are, you know, wanting to get into hip hop and, and do their own music and stuff here in the city? Yeah, man, I mean, um, even some of those kids, like like I said, I work with the Making Justice program, and we also do the, the Media Academy here, which is an eight-week summer program in which we, we do uh, audio engineering, video production, uh, social media marketing, and uh, community activism. So the hope is to funnel some of the more talented kids that we work with in, in each school group and kind of funnel them in the Media Academy and say, okay, we see that you kind of have a little bit more than the average, you know, like you're a little bit more talented. Let's try to hone this and really start polishing it and really working it and, you know, give you not only your voice to understand your voice physically, but like, what is your, what is your soul voice? Mm -hmm. So the, the key is, and it goes back to what I was saying, no matter where it is, libraries are still here for the people. Work in this proper context, see our work to teach these babies because they next up on deck. And since they the ones to come and lead the next generation, I put in this work because it's time to lay down the foundation. So this work is more like it's verbal dictation and narrative of some type of uplifting narration. I want to talk to Jay Sunday because his music has meant a lot to me. And I love when people check out his CD from our library and I love recommending it to people. And it was a really great show we both got to go to. Yes. Here in Madison. Yeah, we've but yeah, been to a lot of his shows here. Place my wedding ring on the nightstand where you sleep and I will meet you in the darkness and I promise there is a place. I 
grew up in a little town called Amory, Wisconsin, and the library, later in life they built like a kind of standalone library building, but when I was growing up it was a part of the, like the county seat building, the police station, and then you'd go upstairs and on top of that on like the second floor was the Amory Library. Just this kind of like cobbled together little space and I think my earliest memory is my mom would bring me to the like story time during the week when I was real little. I don't remember, I have no remember memory of the woman who would story time lady, lady specifically, just that it was, there was a story time lady and, and we'd go up the stairs and I think we got some kind of like candy or treat at the end of it. I think that's 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 the earliest memory. <laughs> My family's real musical and we would do a lot of singing and was part of choirs and you know middle school and high school and all that kind of stuff. And then and then I ended up going to UW Eau Claire for music with a vocal emphasis. So I studied like Western classical music there and that definitely broadened my kind of chops and my kind of aesthetic sensibility and stuff so that kind of and then throughout that time I was playing as a part of this band the Daredevil Christopher Wright and so besides studying uh, the kind of western classical music I was studying I was also writing songs and performing in clubs and venues and so it's kind of a it's a mix a hybrid of all those kind of influences there's a fire in my brain that I can't make that melts me Your songs are very dense lyrically. What are some of your literary or poetic inspirations or authors you return to again and again if you have any? Yeah, I definitely have some. The one that jumps to mind most immediately is I was going through about a year of writer's block. That was really awful. And um, a friend of mine suggested, I was kind of commiserating with him and saying like, oh man, it's terrible. I'm like, have less writer's block. And he's like, oh, you know what you need to read if you have writer's block? Borges. So I got this big book of Jorge Louis Borges uh, short stories. And it just blew my mind and I just love his writing. He's such an inspiration to me. And yeah, just this just beautiful prose language, but also really surreal at times and really strange and also like incredibly literate at times and we but also weird and free. I don't know. It's really inspiring writing to me. But also more recently I've really gotten into George Saunders and just kind of some of that like his blend of kind of again, I'm I, I like surreal some slightly surreal tinges to things and strangeness, but then also like heart, you know, and sincerity. And I feel like he really rides that line really well and like kind of dark humor and like all those elements are things that I really connect with. So that's that's been an inspiration and probably you know, there's more of a but yeah, those those jump to mind at least. Yeah. Do you read graphic novels ever? You know, I haven't I haven't really gotten into graphic novels, although I have some really good friends who are big graphic novel people. And my cousin, Stephen, has been reading a bunch of graphic novels and keeps suggesting it. So I'm, I'm open to it, but I have yet to uh, jump in. So, Well, my favorite is Charles Burns. Maybe you'd like it. But anyway, are there any sentiments you'd like to share about public libraries? Yeah, I mean, I just think literacy and reading and I don't know, I just marvel. I mean, I, the, the work I do is is words, you know, and I mean, that's one of the central things I do anyway. And sometimes I just like sit back and think how bizarre it is that like 
you can be so moved by just words put together. You know what I mean? Like that, that seems like so strange. I mean, it's so normal. Like it's a thing we all have experienced. And so it doesn't seem like that. But if you step back for a moment and think like, oh man, these written words on this page make me cry or something like that. You know, it's like, or I'll write some lyrics and, and I'll wait the whole like 45 minute set to get the chance to just say these words once tonight and i'm that's like i'm super excited about that and that's so strange that they can be so powerful and yet on one side and then on the other side be like well it's just words put together you know so it's like i think with that in mind the power of the written word is just not even considering like the political reality of being like literacy and having access to this incredible knowledge that books and libraries offer you know the ability to like understand and explain your world that reading and writing kind of offer you and the way to communicate yourself a vessel for like just an empathy creation machine you know to like put yourself in another person's place and i don't know all those things i mean that's what libraries are promoting and doing you know and so i don't know they're they're beautiful and important places in my mind um and especially i think now with i mean the both proliferation of like the amount of words written the internet and stuff there's just oceans of it but it's like having spaces that work to curate and like frame that and promote longer and deeper reading and writing, um, I think are, are that much more valuable in an environment where we're so bombarded with just like headlines and bulletins and which have their own value. But I just think maintaining the integrity of longer written word, the longer written word is important. So I think, yeah, I think that libraries are incredible. I also think that uh, music is incredible, having it be in libraries. Uh, I mean, one of the things we're doing with our podcast is trying to bring some collections to life. So, like, we have CDs still. And so with a podcast, we're hoping to really breathe some life into those things that people forget are around. But we wanted to highlight something within our collection specifically. And we're highlighting you. Oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful. Thank you very much. There's a fear that has gripped me And though you won't quit me I can't live with it There's a fire in my brain That I can't make That helps Songs of love, but songs of love on the 